0: All right, everybody. So welcome to the current episode of Uncool Conversations with Andy and Art. This is the newest episode that you've heard yet. And so let's go ahead and get started. Today's theme for today, which we we'll go to much deeper with, with a wonderful guest for today, has to do with songwriting. Songwriting and representation, because those two things are inseparable in the terms of the way the music works. And so uh, to start the conversation off, hey, Art, um, what is your thought about the scene? And we're not going to be too controversial, by the way. What's your thought of the uh, music scene in the Dayton area when it comes to a gender mix as a conversation? What do you think about that?
1: Well, I first have to say, Andy, that that I love the music scene and it's been really an honor in my life to be in any way part of getting these great songs heard. Mm -hmm. So, So obviously... I have a wee bit of a bias here, Andy. <laughs> it's pretty apparent that what that bias is and I'm not going to hide it. And I'm not going to apologize for it because I think that the Dayton music scene has a wealth of talent in it. Mm-hmm. But I also think like you, you state that question quite correctly. There are great women songwriters There. are, great men songwriters. Mm -hmm. There are even some really fantastic trans songwriters Mm -hmm. that that we have in the Dayton community. There Mm -hmm. are people who represent multiple points of view, perspectives, genres. Mm -hmm. But yet, when you look at a lot of music scenes, you notice right away that the artists who are most represented in the shows, uh, play on radio, Conversations, whether it's online or in print medium, Mm -hmm. a lot of that bandwidth is going towards males, going towards a male perspective, a male focus, male
0: artists. So I think it's not just males, pale males, which is an important thing that we have to consider when we have this conversation for a different conversation for a different topic. We talk different point, but it's usually pale male, and usually somewhere around their 20s, a very specific concept of what masculinity and youth is mixed together. So what do we do about that, Art? I mean, do we have a conversation? Do we bring in a guest? What's the idea that we have behind this?
1: (laughs) Wow, Andy, you say that almost as if we figured something out. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Planning. Uh, But I also want to point out, before we move to our terrific guest, is the idea of Dayton is a funk city, Yeah, right? There's a lot of hip hop in Dayton. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of funk in Dayton, not just in the 1970s. There are still a lot of funk artists working today. So it it is important to acknowledge that that representation, while overwhelmingly pale, as you say, rather Mm -hmm. cleverly and slyly, is (laughs) also kind of, Pushing to the margins artists that really made Dayton such a great scene for music. So I think it's important that we move quickly to our guests, but but first, we've got to do the thing. Well, hello and welcome to Uncool Music Conversations with Andy and Art. I'm Art. Andy, <laughs> and today we're talking about songwriting and the kind of viewpoint and representation we have with particular songwriters. We are really, really overjoyed today to have a guest on the show, a amazing songwriter, Amber Hargett.
0: So I want to give a little bit of a background on Amber Hargett, which we're going to introduce. I got to over talk her, but she needs to be give more of an introduction than just my co-host has. So here's from her Spotify, which is a conversation we're having right now, her Spotify uh, information. Amber Hargett, and I I apologize if I pronounced that wrong, delivers honest and well-crafted lyrics against a diverse landscape of musical influences, including folk, country, rock, and soul. Presented through powerhouse vocals, Amber's songs reach a wide audience and are designed to leave a lasting impression, skipping down because we don't need the whole thing. I will say I was listening to Paper Trail earlier today because I actually like to know the people that show up before they come on the show because I need to know something about the music. And let me tell you, I don't think this whole one of the top selling CDs that Omega Music in Dayton in 2019 does it justice, if I'm being honest. I'm listening to this album and it's, it's very rare that I go, holy crap, this is a good album. And this was one of those moments where I was like, this is a really good album. No matter what the background of a person, this was a well done album based upon my, own, my personal taste, obviously. But all that aside, uh, I'm tired of talking over the person. And by the way, let's refer to it as a artist who is a woman, not a woman artist art, I'm just saying that out loud. Crest the P- patriarchy, but I'm sorry, Amber, I'm gonna let you talk to yourself. So here we go.
2: <laughs> thank you, Andy. <laughs> oh my, that was, that was quite an introduction. Thank you. I'm glad you dig the record. Um, I'm very proud of it. I'm really excited about what's coming out next, but thank you guys for having me tonight. I'm excited to be here. <laughs>
0: So it's uh, Art Art was kind enough to know you, and he's the one that introduced us very briefly just before the show. So that, so. for those who are listening at home or watching us, if you have the online versions at this point, uh, just know that this is my first time meeting her. So if it seems slightly <laughs> awkward, well, you know, that happens your first meeting. But Art, how, how did you meet? What happened? How'd this go on? Well, you know,
1: Andy, we are two uncool guys. Exceedingly. <laughs> I mean, awkwardness just comes with the territory. Amber's being so kind to put up with us. Well, I'm trying to remember the first time that that I heard you play, Amber. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was probably at Yellow Cab Tavern here I in Dayton. Right. And chances mm-hmm. are it was a songwriter showcase experience and Paper Trail had not come out yet. Right. And so I think this was a situation where you were just starting to come out and play, and I remember being just absolutely blown away by your voice, your songwriting, just really, really beautiful melodies, but also songs that were well-crafted. Oh, thank you. So I would love for you to pretend Andy and I know nothing about your music, (laughs) which is maybe partially true for poor Andy, but... but. (laughs) I, I, on the other hand, cannot claim ignorance. Walk us through Paper Trail, your first record.
2: Yeah, well, um, (laughs) gosh, that's a a hard place to start, but I'll do my best. Um, So Paper Trail really was um, a collection of songs that largely had been sitting around for a long time. And I started writing songs around 2010 or so secretly. (laughs) Um, I was not in a place where I thought they were good enough to share or that anybody would really care, honestly. And um, musically, my background began in the church. And so I was in the midst of doing like a lot of worship music and that sort of thing. And that was really where I was putting my musical efforts at the time and started writing and like I said, just tucking things away. And then I think it was 2017 that a couple friends of mine got married. And, uh, that's when I wrote Carolina blue and that, um, that song was a wedding gift to some friends. And then just, it was one of those wonderful, strange circumstances where my friend had been in a band with Patrick Himes, who is now my producer and bandmate. Um, and there were a few other guys from the Dayton music scene who were guests at the wedding and they were just really impressed with the tune. And they were like, you, why don't you play out? What are you doing? You know? <laughs> and, um, and so anyway, that's how I met Patrick and made the record. But uh, sonically, I mean, I think paper trail, it, it is a little bit of I um, I don't know, a potpourri, if you will. I really hate that word. It just makes me think <laughs> of like, 1989 bathrooms at your auntie's house. And <laughs> it's a terrible word. I wish I could just edit that. I was too late now, but anyway, it's a mixture. It's just, it's, it's sonically a little bit of a mixture. In fact, I thought that would be a weakness to the record because there are threads of, of, you know, like some country influence. I mean, Carolina blue definitely has a country vibe. Um, but there's some folk rock kind of, I I'd put it in that probably Americana category. That's what potpourri, the, the musical term for potpourri actually is Americana. That's what happens when no one can define you, <laughs> but you got a little bit of this and that. So I guess that's where I would, I would categorize it sonically, but um, they're pretty personal songs and they, each one, you know, Patrick and I approached it like, what do we want the story of this song to sound like? What's appropriate for that? You know, Carolina blue is is a love song meant for a woman from North Carolina with blue eyes. You know, there's definitely a story and a sound that came along with that for me. And that's just how we approached each song. Um, So there are some orchestral elements to some of them. Um, But, yeah, it's largely, I'd say, like a country folk rock kind of sound um, overall. So that would be like the introduction. That's what Paper Trail sounds like, I think.
0: <laughs> so I, I really appreciate that as someone who listened to it for the first time, we're going to say earlier this week, because, you know, today is still part, earlier part of the week. Um, and because it's, if you listen to, I don't know if you're a big fan of electronic at all, but Daft Punk is one of those big bands that's been around forever. They're yeah. unfortunately broken up now. But Random Access Memory is one of their last albums, if not the yeah. last album, was just what you... Not potpourri, they call it so, but it was called random access memories specifically yeah. because it was just random things they just had sitting around. Mm-hmm. They put into one album with a kind of an overarching theme that they you could tell they were a little belabored doing it, if I'm being honest. Yeah, but at the end of it, it's I mean they won album of the year. So maybe yeah. it's good when people do that, just you find the work that's good that's you know, sitting around for like a lack like of a better term, and then you create the album. yeah, so, yeah. not a bad thing necessarily. So yeah. Well,
2: some of those songs too were on, you know, literal scraps of paper that were just lying around the house and tucked in folders or in books or whatever that I, once I started with, I really only had Carolina blue and maybe one other song that was in formation that I thought was close. And then everything else I kind of dug up. So it was, it was a bit like going back into a journal or uh, time capsule, if you will. And, um, remembering the moments that inspired each one of those songs. It was over a long period of time, like probably, you know, six or seven years. So (laughs) how did you move
1: from a song is a gift for a friend (laughs) to I'm going to take these songs that I've been working on and record them and release a record? How did you move from that to that?
2: How did I move kicking and screaming is how, um, I, I really, um, was a bit reluctant, uh, about, I, I mostly wanted to make the record to kind of get my family off my back. I mean, I say that and there, there's a lot of truth to that for where I was at the time, but then deeper within me has always been the desire to do something with music. I mean, even since I was very small, I've been singing since I was three, you know, um, So there was part of me that really, really wanted it, but I, I, I fought against myself. I still do a little, I think most artists do. Um, but to put your work out in front of people, um, is really intimidating and songwriting is a vulnerable process in experience. And so you're putting something out there, even if, even if the song is not yours, like your story, you still have to tap into that a bit of yourself to make the song relevant. If it's someone else's story, you know, so it's just, it's, it's very personal. And I've struggled a lot with the transition to, from, you know, using my gifts for the church really exclusively to putting it out where, where performance is not the purpose of what you're doing, um, within a church environment to becoming a performer who, whose job it is to entertain people. And, um, that's a big, that's a, that's a, it's uncomfortable, you know? And I in felt like at the time, uncomfortable?
1: In sorry. Way, no, no, no. I'm jumping in. Sorry. In what? what way is that
2: uncomfortable? Oh, geez. Well, I mean, for me personally, it just, I had to come to terms with what am I doing this for and who am I doing it for? you know, and I personally believe that I've been designed with a specific gift. And I think everybody is, we, we've all got something to offer the world. Right. And it's not always just one thing. And I don't think you have to find one specific purpose and live it out or you've failed now, (laughs) but there was a time that I kind of did, you know? And so the discomfort there is like finding ways to be comfortable being a performer where like, and being honest with myself, like I enjoy entertaining other people. I enjoy the experience of sharing a song, sharing a performance with them and, and having this emotional connection to an audience that there is some, some of that that's selfish, I guess, or self-serving, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. And it doesn't mean that the, the songs, the content of the songs cannot have a higher purpose. And so, you know, having kind of maintained my gift within one very specific realm to pushing it out farther, which I think is really the purpose of what, what we're meant to do with our gifts is, is, you know, not to hide them under a bushel, so to speak. Um, that helped me grow, um, and see broader ways to connect in environments that I had not been in before. And the music gave me access to that. It gave me access to people who live entirely different from me, um, who come from different places culturally and all sorts of things. Um, And I don't know, being able, I struggled a lot with, well, my songs are not, spiritual but there's a faith element to some of them so people who aren't into that are going to be like get out of here jesus girl beat it and then on the other hand there's like not enough (laughs) jesus in there for the folks at church and they're going to be like so disappointed that i'm not on the k-love cruise you know (laughs) and i can't do that so where do i belong you know where does my work belong where does my art you know where where can it exist where um And, and that's just, that's kind of a small way of thinking about your musical gifts because they really can be cut across a broad audience. If in the songwriting, there's a relevancy and a connection people can make to the the stories that the songs are telling that transcends all the different worldviews and things like that, that, that you may have that are different from your audience. But anyway, that's, that's where a lot of that conflict came from me. Like, what do I do with this? And Is it okay for me to make a record? And, you know, but a little before the show kicked off, you know, Andy, we kind of referenced a few things about women and role and expectation for women. And and that for sure came into play with that as well, you know. So that's a whole. We can get to that later, I guess. You <laughs>
0: can get it at your own pace. I mean, here, here's the thing here on uh, Uncle Me's Conversations with Andy and Art, we just kind of roll with whatever the artist wants to do because we're, <laughs> we're happy for you to spend your time with us. I mean, this is, we. for those who don't know, we record on a Sunday between 8 and 10. And so if you are a Sabbath is holy person, well, this might be a problem for a few of our artist friends. <laughs> if I'm being honest. So, uh, so, I mean, uh, the thing that we talked about beforehand is because you already alluded to it, heck, let's get to it now. Okay. Um, A lot of times there's questions that just pop up for women that are artists or artists that are women, depending on how you want to use that phrasing, that just don't show up for dudes, if I'm being really honest. Would you like to talk to that experience if you're comfortable with it?
2: (laughs) Sure, sure. Um, Yes. Gosh, where to begin? Well, you know, it's like the question about, you know, gosh, how do you balance being a mom and, and being a performer, an artist? Or, you know, what if you had to travel. What are you going to do about that? And what, and it's like, I mean, these are things that we make considerations for, but, um, men are not asked these questions. And I think part of that is just because that's not the, that's not the role that like societally people expect women to, to have. Uh, and I, you know, I do, I just think, I think though, that we're starting to get farther away from that, but I don't, I don't hear too many, um, of my buddies get asked like, Oh gosh, man, if you went on tour, like whatever would you do about childcare? I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm super worried about that for you. And, and women do, we do. I mean, we, we do worry about it, but it's like, I don't know. Like, I think what I said before was if it matters to you to ask the artist like about their personal life and their family structure and that kind of thing you should ask men and women the same question. I mean, because a great dad is also going to be worried about what happens with, well, to his family while he's away working on the road or whatever he's going to do. Um, but it feels different because the question is normally targeted toward women because there's an inference that that's a role that's not designed for them. Like, well, you ought to be at home with your children and that should be your priority. So, I mean, I don't want to make too broad a statement there about that, but like, yeah. Um, so that's one thing is asking about your family. You know, you get questions about that. There's also an assumption that I don't write my songs, my own songs. Um, I get that quite a lot. Actually it happened right in front of one of my van mates, like a couple months ago for the first time he was like, they really just asked you like, who writes your songs? I said, I, I told you, man, it happens all the time. Um, I don't know why there's an assumption that somebody else is writing the songs, but they're not, (laughs) they contribute musically. My bandmates contribute musically. I mean, in an, in an incredible way. So, (laughs) you know, they take, um, what I begin with and really just it it Rolled blossoms in. into something really incredible with the rest of them. But um but yeah, the, the lyrical work is mine. So I don't know where that assumption comes from. I'm actually gonna put something on the back of my jean jacket, like and I write my own songs, you know, like it's gonna be there. <laughs> like so I just don't have to get the question anymore, you know.
0: So I am as we speak looking up who the other artist was, but you're not you're not alone in that question. Taylor Swift recently had to go through crack. Wow. Yeah. Really? Swifty. <laughs> Yeah, well, here's the thing. I, I, I'm Who not. Who doesn't afraid. know
2: that she doesn't write that she writes her songs by now? Come I on. Mean,
0: I mean, it's like it's, they used to make fun of it because her her early part of her career was very autobiographical. That's the word I'm looking Mm-mm. for. Um, and so they're like, "Oh, hey, you're just talking about your your teenage problems." And then she gets older, then she breaks out of it. Where you're talking about your autobiography stuff anymore? And now, it's, do you write your own songs? Wait, man, you don't write your own songs. You just, you, you know, you
2: <laughs> You know, that's something that's. I think it's it's unfair to pigeonhole any artist into well, they only write self, you know, reflective songs or whatever, or they only write songs about someone else. A, a really good songwriter, you won't know the difference. You won't be sure. I mean, that's that's what I like to think about my work that unless the people that are super like the closest people to me may be able to, you know, have an inside scoop on which, which songs are coming right out of my personal firsthand experience and which are not. Um, if, if you're a good songwriter, I think you can put yourself in someone else's seat and be able to convey it in a believable way. It's not to say that you're being disingenuous or, or, um, you know, trying to assume something that you're not because that show, that happens too. And that's so easily detectable. And I think by the audience too, like, that didn't happen to you. Shut up. You know, you can, I think, I think the audience (laughs) is smart enough to know that, but if you, I think Aretha Franklin has a quote, I'm going to butcher it completely, but it's something to the effect of if I don't have anything to lend to the song, then I'm not going to do it because that's what soul is. Mm-hmm. It's it's being able to take an ounce of your personal experience and plug it in to the scenario. Mm-hmm. So even if it didn't happen to you firsthand, but yeah. Taylor Swift gets that question. I mean, come on, I can't get, I can't, I'm like still.
0: So in, in, in the guy who says defense, very similar to what you said, he, he did apologize for it. He did. However, that's however. Good. Why was it a conversation in the first place? I didn't realize that Ricky Martin, to show my age a little bit, I didn't know that Ricky Martin didn't write his own songs until he won an award, I think it was a Grammy of some sort, and said, hey, thanks to the guy who wrote my song. I didn't think about it. It wasn't even a conversation.
2: Nobody asks. Nobody asks. They just assume. Yeah. (laughs) They just assume. But for women, it's like, oh, I didn't know you could have breasts and write songs. Mm. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Remarkable. I don't know if I can say that on this. Yeah, it's a
0: podcast. I, oh, I totally. Fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm just. I mean, I don't get. I don't get why I get asked that question. That's one of the most confusing things to me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Anyway, well, that's like a song, like like Carolina Blue, like uh, you know, is a song for a woman. It. I wrote the song from the perspective of my friend who is marrying a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and I considered briefly um, adjusting the pronouns when I recorded the song mm-hmm. so that it wouldn't seem confusing or whatever. And, um, you know, my partner at the time was like, you shouldn't have to do that. You, you can, you can just keep it as is. Cause that's how you wrote, that's the perspective you wrote the song from. It doesn't really matter. And it turns out like that was such a, that was a very good piece of advice because it broadens the accessibility of the song too, and um, crosses over into other types of relationships and things where like more people can connect to the song. So, um, but I I use that as an example, because it's, you know, a song to a woman, maybe people would think, oh, some dude wrote the song and you're just singing it. I don't know. Um, But that's the only time that that's the case in any of my work so far. So yeah, I'm not sure that that gets under my skin a little bit, but
0: that sounds like almost a reverse girl crush song. For those who for, for those who remember that song from the country a few years back, it was that uh, like ten years ago now. I was like I have a girl crush, uh, and but and I was a uh, no joke. I was at a uh, it was a former partner of mine, and we're we doing like a paint thing, like you know drinking and painting. Like <laughs> oh yeah yeah, uh-huh. and, and and around me were people who are obviously with all due respect very conservative. Who're like this is a lesbian song. I can't listen to this song right now. And I'm like. No, pay attention to the lyrics for a minute. She's yeah. a she's jealous of that woman for being with that guy. It's it's yeah. not what you think it is. Yeah. Pull your head out of your butt and pay attention to the comments for <laughs> a second. But I'm the secondarily, why is that even a conversation? In I'm gonna say 2012. I just as a number. I have no idea what year that was. So yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it, it speaks to what we were talking about earlier, this assumption. Mm -hmm. That that rock and roll or music more broadly is a male perspective or must represent a male identity or a male perspective. You were talking earlier, Amber, about how you were coming to set your own identity as a songwriter and as a musician and as a singer and a performer, right? Mm -hmm. So there are all these really unrealistic assumptions about songwriting about music about certain kinds of songs right oh well maybe yeah. she wrote carolina blue because it's a love song and that makes sense that she would write a love song to which we're the three of us are all going uh what <laughs> what but the reality of the situation is all too often Right. We make assumptions within popular yeah. music yeah. in particular that this artist could not have written this song because it's good or this artist right. could not have written this song because they're a woman or they're a, an artist of color or you yeah. know whatever that the particular bias somebody might have
2: mm-hmm.
1: rep- is represented in that moment. Mm-hmm. So you must experience that <laughs> directly as people say, you know, who wrote that song for you instead of recognizing you wrote the song yourself?
2: Yeah, well, most definitely. And I think um, this next record and from here on out, I have to tell you, like, um, a- as an artist, I want to be less afraid. Paper Trail, I can I can go back and listen to it. And I, I appreciate, Andy, that you're a fan. Rad. Like, I love that you like the record. record. Um, and I'm grateful. It's nice to get a new listener. That feels really good after that being out for almost four years now. Right. So is that right? Three years. Sorry. Uh, Three
0: years. That's a 2019.
2: Yeah, that's right. Three. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to hear that. But when I, I have listened to that record in its final like state, I believe one time since the release show, I, I really don't listen to it much. Occasionally the one-off song will, will pop up, you know, in my Apple music or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, you know, (laughs) but if I do stop long enough to listen to it, I mean, it's just a weird, if I do stop to listen to it, I can hear the hesitations in, Mm. and my second guessing, like how I'm how I'm delivering the vocal and how different it is from the point in which I was recording it in the studio to the way that I perform it live. Now, even with the band, it's so much different and their energy and everything just inspires me to, to deliver something bigger and better and, you know, stretch myself. And the same is true with the writing. And so back to what you were saying, art about expectations and things like that for me personally, um, I'm not going to sing the song, but there's, I wrote a song called nice girls kind of in response to that. Um, and it is not a publicly, well, it's just not, not safe for work is maybe the best way to put it, but it's very honest, but it's, it directly addresses the idea that you know, oh, I'm sweet. I'm the darling of the Dayton music scene. And, Mm -hmm. and, oh, ain't she cute? You know, and what a sweet little hobby she's got. And that's so, so cute. Well, okay. It's not always so cute. You know, like I'm, I also want to be taken seriously. I want to get paid like the men get paid. I want to book places and not have to worry about the way that I'm going to be treated. Um, I want people to consider me the songwriter and assume me the songwriter instead of it has to be somebody else, you know? Um, and because of my, my background too, in the church, um, there were things that I didn't, didn't necessarily explore as a songwriter that I'm willing to do now. I mean, there are no less had thoughts about or ideas about, but I'm ready to start delivering songs about those types of topics. And, I think, I mean, part of it makes me grit my teeth a little bit, but like a good example of that is church mouse. And that's, that's, that's like my number one requested song when I go out and play live now, and it's a murder ballad (laughs) and, um, it's a song about a woman who is sexually assaulted by a minister and she kills him. Um, and it's kind of one of the linchpin songs of this upcoming record, which is called Coal Mine Canary. And that's gonna come out in September, by the way. September 30th is my album release date. So uh, I got some work to do, but um, that song is very layered in its, in its a pr- attempt to tell a story that's very complicated, and is not, is not an outdated story. This is something that happens now. It's still relevant, but it's un, It's not exactly Amber Hargett brand. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> People will hear Paper Trail and find that largely encouraging. And I really hope that's always the case. It's just that the songs I'm writing now are gonna address tougher subjects. And I, I want and hope that my audience will broaden their minds to thinking through the whole song. And that I'm not, you know, I'm not going through my like Miley Cyrus wrecking ball phase or anything, you know, I mean, I guess I could maybe like 18 months from now or so, but, (laughs) but it's, it's a step in the direction I want to go with my writing where I'm unafraid to address things like inequalities and sexism and uh, trauma and healing, um, address things that I have personally experienced or witnessed in the church, um, or with the church, although I'm not out to get it, you know, I just want to be honest about, about more (laughs) and be able to, um, tap into some of the dark, darker subjects. And however, still help people walk away with the belief that there's some hope left over. That's always true. I really believe that to be true. I don't think I could have survived the last gosh, 18 months or two years, you know, between the pandemic and all sorts of other things um, without believing that that was still true. And um, so shine on is the closing song on the record and that's meant to be, you know, kind of our ray ray of light at the end, but um, I don't know. I just want to be able to grow it into the next phase of my songwriting and, and be unafraid to address things, um, more directly. Um, I, I, I don't know, as I, as I grow as an artist and.
0: I mean, it's, it's, and here's the thing, I want to be very clear. Cool. Uh, see, here's the thing in case you don't know who I am. Cause everybody should know who I am. No, don't worry about it. So I, I was part of the music scene. I, I played myself and okay. I totally understand the whole, like, Hey fan. Thanks for being interested in this album, but it's the old stuff now. Um, There's lots of bands out there that do the same thing. I'm just saying the album was cool. So the thing is, I I like how there's almost like a. It's interesting to me because I was going to ask sooner or later. Hey, what are you doing now? Um, But it's interesting to me because it's like, hey, so it's called Paper Trail. The next one is is in the coal mine, or or it was a canary in the coal mine. I'm. It's uh, yeah,
2: it's called Coal Mine Canary.
0: Coal Mine Canary. Okay. I don't
2: know if you're. I don't know if you're familiar with the the. The coal mine canary—that was a thing. Oh yeah, I totally knew. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of like the last—it's representative of your kind of last chance um, mm. to get out before it's too late. <laughs> uh, mm. There's like a redemptive, you know, kind of sacrificial element to this to this creature, and that really stuck with me. And m- my grandmother is from like a holler in Kentucky. It's not far from where a lot of those uh, things were happening with the coal mining strikes and things like that. And I, I kind of, it, it became, it's interesting. It was not originally a concept album, but it developed into one because as I started putting the songs together, I realized there were these, there could be these overlapping characters. And so it's, it's really set in a coal mining community and the songs interact with one another. And these are people who come out of a small, a small community and they, they, they cross paths and it's not always pleasant. um, And it's complicated, but at the end of it, there's, there's still, there's, there's hope woven through, through the record still, but it's meant to represent like an, an ecosystem of people at a very specific time. But even though that's true and that's like, I'm applying this whole kind of aesthetic to the record. The songs are no less relevant now. The problems that these characters are going through and facing and um, facing down and taking accountability for are the same that we do now. And so um, I'm really excited about it. Uh, there's a lot of character development and work that went into this project. I'm, I was far more intentional with this work than with Paper Trail, is maybe the best way to describe it.
1: I was I absolutely going to ask that because in a way, Paper Trail is, is, every time I've talked to you, Paper Trail sounds like a collection of songs that have kind of different perspectives mm-hmm. or, or, or different um, ideas, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of positivity in in, in Paper Trail, whereas Coal Mine Canary strikes me listening to you now, and and we've, we've discussed this in a whole host of other contexts Mm -hmm. that, that that there's a real attempt or effort at particular song craft to not only tell a story in each song, but to connect the songs more directly than you did with paper trail.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's far more, um, intentional like there are there's some things that I can't talk about yet I really want to tell you no go ahead um,
1: Amber we want to encourage you to go ahead. it's all right
2: <laughs> nobody's listening nobody um there's just a lot of layering and introduction of these characters and kind of laying some easter eggs and things that I'm going to be doing in my solo performances and through like video work and things like that that will I would like to kind of create an immersive story telling experience for the audience. By the time we get to the album release show, um, which will be September 30th at the bright side. Um, by the time we get there, I really want people to feel like they understand or they can visualize in their mind, these characters and where they come from. And like, even the show itself is, is going to, be much more intentional and yeah i i I would hate to oversimplify paper trail and say it was a happy accident but that's a that that is a oversimplified way of saying it except that when it comes to the way patrick and i work in the studio that was very intentional like with each song the development of each song very much intentional sonically it's just that the collection of songs that came together for that album was it was exactly that. Yeah. It was a collection, you know, and this is very different. This, this is, um, meant to have an arc and a setting and a feel. And then it's like, the next thing I want to do is completely different. Like, I totally want to do like a soul rock record and lots of horns, like all the horns. Oh my God. And so it's (laughs) like sonically completely different. So I, I hope I'm not like one of those artists. I, I used to be that kind of listener where I was like, Oh, this, I love this band. Oh, this band's totally rad. I've had their last five albums. The sixth one comes out and they finally do something different. And I'm like, Oh, thanks a lot. Coldplay. (laughs) You know, like I'm going to listen to that again (laughs) or whatever, you know, and now I have such an appreciation for artists who are unafraid to do that because to me, it signifies they, they want to grow as an artist, as a writer, they want to experiment with new things musically and they're more committed in my mind to the development of the art than they are like the loyalty of a followership, which is lovely. It's don't get me wrong. It's wonderful to have people who anticipate your work and come out and see you play. And my goodness, you know, of course the, those are, that's the point, right? We want, we, I want to be able to reach as many people with the music I'm making as possible. Um, if for no other reason that they can connect to it in some way and ultimately be encouraged, that's, that would be my, my hope overall, Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, I, I just want to keep creating and, and trying something new and not, not get pigeonholed. And women do also get Mm -hmm. kind of put into a category, um, not even from a genre of perspective, but like you can't write about that. You can't go around singing about murder. What's wrong with you, you know? I mean, and there are people that were kind of prickled up by that. Like, why did you have to write that story? Well, because Naomi, it happens. Like, we're gonna talk about it. You know, if you're not ready to talk about it, that's okay. I know this is not the same as me singing a little ditty about not having any money. That's cute and very commercial, but it's different
0: couple of my students, uh, female students, um, or students that are female, I specifically mentioned this. We had a conversation about country music and women's role in it. Uh, this is a few months ago, not current students. And the most interesting things, thing that I had realized but did not think too much about was the fact that men in country tend to talk about, oh man, the simple life is awesome. I like to have chicken fried and like to make sure that I have my pickup truck. You know, it, all these songs. Yeah. Then you go to women's songs in the same genre. and It is more really like, i'm gonna kill earl (laughs) this place sucks (laughs) i'm getting out of here (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah
2: yeah yeah
0: it's yeah it's a nice juxtaposition if nothing else but that does kind of point to and i'm not gonna say country music as a whole i as a note my grand, my mother's parents came from moorhead kentucky and cookville tennessee so hill folk is what i come from i know my accent kind of reflects it a little bit right But my point is like, there's this idealism that tends to come with certain genres and the way Mm -hmm. the music is based upon gender, that seems to have a problem. And that's the kind of the point of the conversation is like, why, why is that a thing? Yeah.
2: Well, I think, you know, like, and as I was transitioning out of, you know, where to put my attention and my efforts with the music coming out of like a worship scenario and into into developing the record in front and promoting it and getting it out. I, I wasn't going to play out live or anything, but anyway, um, in that process, like I got a lot of, there was a lot of assumptions made, uh, um, from my church family and things like initially like, Oh, you're making a worship album. Like, it's going to be great. You know, <laughs> or like, no, no, like, or you're going to write a sexy song. Oh <laughs> what are you doing? You know, well, should you do that? I don't know. Mm. Should I not? Is it there? I shouldn't. I don't know. There's a, yeah. Um, I don't know, but I can, I can think of a million artists though, who uh, female artists who or artists who are female, who totally buck that system and write about whatever. I mean, Dolly Parton's got murder ballads, you know, you and, beat me
0: to it because she's actually being inducted into the Rockwell Hall of Fame this year. And so it's like, by the way, that is a shock. Oh, Andy, for- no, 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 Andy, she's a nominee. Oh, I'm, okay. She's a nominee. Do
1: you think not going to uh, get uh, in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm oh, sorry. Yes. She's a they nominee. They can be as
2: formal as they want.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to say, she's at the top of my list to get in. Uh, but but uh, nothing's guaranteed there, Andy. Uh, so, so, so so while while I think it's highly likely <laughs> and damn better happen, um, <laughs> uh, I do th- I do think that we can't put the card before the horse there.
0: Fine, okay. I'm sorry. It's like being engaged and <laughs> saying I'm going to be married in a year. I get that as someone who's currently engaged. But however, uh, okay. Let's let's
1: Holly talk about it. belongs
0: program. in no question. Yeah, yeah. No, like-
2: absolutely. She better. I have to oh I have a kiss a little person. Good night. Love you too. My little person. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah. She did not want to be filmed this evening. That's okay.
0: okay. But, no, I respect it.
2: <laughs> we are a podcast that
1: recognizes that we all live very exciting and often complicated lives. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. And we, we want to do one take. Earlier, so. <laughs> I, I wanted to say earlier, Amber, it's mm-hmm. almost like really clearly there is sexism in the music industry. I think we can say categorically that's there, but one of the ways in which it manifests are these assumptions that if you're a woman writing a song, it's gotta be one of these very specific kind of categories. Otherwise the assumption is you didn't write it, right? So it's like assumption built on top of assumption.
2: Hmm.
1: And, And whereas you're doing with Coal Mine Canary, is fairly lyrically and narratively rich, right? You've got these themes going through yeah. within yeah. songs across the whole album, yet yet you're also, while well, you're looking at some dark or problematic behavior murder ballad, um, you're, among, among other, other songs that, that we've talked about, mm-hmm. you, you also don't want to lose hopefulness.
2: Right. And that's just personal for me, you know, and that's it's important to me um, because I I I am still very much a person of faith, and I, that's a big part of who I am and something I still hold hold on to. So, um, but I think if that's the case, I don't think that a faithful person should um, live in an echo chamber space where they don't want to acknowledge and this has been incredibly frustrating for me last uh, several years (laughs) of not opening our eyes and seeing and calling things as they are, that there's injustice and inequalities in our world, that if we cling to the faith that we profess, then we ought to make a statement about and be unafraid to to take a position on for the sake of those who are not granted the same access or rights or privileges that we are. And, you know, artists, I mean, that's our job. Like I may not, you know, stand up and make some kind of very direct statement about anything, but my music is where you'll find it. And hell, I mean, Oh, sorry. Um, But I mean, Dolly Parton, if anybody has found a way to do that, right. It's Dolly. I mean, Dolly has her own personal opinions. Sure. But, you know, she may not want to come out and say that she's a feminist, but nobody is going to do nine to five and not have strong opinions about equality in the workplace for women or whatever, but she does it so gracefully and she's able to be loving in her delivery about it, but unafraid to write about it and unafraid to address it. And, you know, that's, I mean, she's the, musical fairy goddess we all want to be, right? So, but, uh, but yeah, I, I want to be that kind of artist where I don't let the expectations of, um, even the people I care most about or people who have been mentors to me restrict me from addressing things that are right in front of me and the music, you know, the the best thing I can do is write a song about it. I mean, it's uh, to steal David Payne's, uh, phrase, you know, it's cheaper than therapy to, to put it into the song and put it into the music and let that be your statement. And, and not just that, but also the way you live, it'll be evidenced by the way that you live. So people can make any kind of assumption they like about me. Um, But through the music and through my personal interactions, I feel it. you know, my character will speak for itself. The way that I live will speak for itself. And um, so I can rest in that you know, but that's been a a personal journey of another kind, uh, for me, but I want that to be true of the songwriting too. I don't want to let those assumptions keep me in, in a certain place. And how do you extend that
1: space or support to other
2: artists? Oh yeah. Well, you know, you asked me earlier, I think you mentioned something about other female artists, you know, there are not, it, well, there are many, there are many.
0: There's a bunch of the scene. I can tell you that much, a lot of really talented artists for that fact. So, Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Um, so when I, after I, after Paper Trail came out um, and then I think it was my first lady fest that I performed at with the band um, that September of that same year, I think. <clears throat> there were all these female bands and solo artists. And I'm like, why are you only here tonight? Where are you the rest of the year? Um, (laughs) and I'm, I don't like to give my, well, I could, I, I do give myself a lot of extra jobs. I probably could, but like, I, I just realized like, I need to know these women. Um, and I need to hear what they have to say. And I can't believe like, okay. I mean, I, had, I knew Kylie Downs, but like, you know, K- Kylene is a killer guitar player, great songwriter. I mean, she's just, she's fantastic. Um, Paige Beller. I didn't even see her perform. It took my like three years almost for me to finally witness a live performance from her. Cause we either were working on the same night or whatever it never lined up. And when I did, I was just like, Oh, I love you. Um, (laughs) inspiring. I mean, just incredibly inspiring women. And here we are all at this one lady fest event. And then I don't see them the rest of the year. So I went out on a limb, not knowing many of these women, other than maybe meeting them then, and just threw out an invitation. And I was like, I'm going to start doing this thing called the sing and tell. And the sing and tell is basically just a backyard concert at my place. And I try to do it a couple times a year. And it's women or women, I, you know, uh, female identifying folks who want to come out. And they don't even have to be artists, but I do line up about 10 artists to do like a 15 minute set. And then everybody else, everyone in attendance, you know, has to be female um, to basically start building a network um, and a safe space for women who are just trying to figure out what they want to do with their work to come in and feel, not feel that pressure of. It's like a bunch of dudes, that, like know how to play. and like, what kind of amp you got? Like, you know, and all this gear stuff that no, you know, fine. It's cool. Like know your gear and get to know that. But like, that's just such a, ugh. <laughs> like, <laughs> <agree>. you know, <laughs> I don't care you know i don't care dude i don't care that like what kind of telly you have or whatever um but getting a space that's void of all that and is just women and is very supportive because i'm a huge believer in the in the idea that there is room for everybody out here uh, like art said you know we've got such a rich history in dayton um with like funk music and like i mean there are bands i still don't know as well as I ought, you know, that are playing all the time. And thank God for things like Dayton Porch Fest and all the Porch Fest events that have uh, cropped up in in neighboring cities. What a great way to introduce people, including other artists. You know, we, we can get into little, you know, sort of clumps uh, of the same six bands are billing together in the same four venues six times a year. And it's, a, it's unfortunate because it's so much more broad, but going back to the women, that's a whole separate thing. But I just started doing this and just making it, you know, personal and letting, inviting women into my home because I want to do that anyway. Um, and meeting them on a more personal level and not in a big noisy bar with seven other bands playing and, and give them space on my back porch to just tell their story and sing the song, tell us about it. And then we, we start to know one another. And then that's how I build my roster of first calls. If I can't do a gig, if I can't do a gig, I'll say, well, I can't, but you know what? Novena might be able to do it. Or Kylene Downs might be able to, or Chris blank or Heather Redman or Sam King, or, I mean, I got like a short list and in it, it's less and less short. Every time I do it, I've got more women to add, um, And we can also look out for one another because there are things that, and we can discuss things in this space, like, how do you ask, you know, how, who pays you? How do you get paid? What should you be asking for, for a set of a certain length? Or what if you're solo? What if you're with a band? These are things that a lot of, especially male artists don't really share. Now I had the good fortune, like I said, and I I can't stress this enough because Some of my dearest friends are male artists who helped me, you know, get my initial bookings and things like that. So big shout out to my brother bear, Harold Hensley, and to David Payne and to Paul Monin. um, And and honestly, to Patrick, of course, because Patrick Himes is just like the common denominator among all these people. So um, those fellows have been nothing but good to me and have helped me, you know, make the right connections. But, you know, I don't have, when it comes to me, then it's like, I don't have any trade secrets. I'm ready to tell all these other women exactly how to do that. It, it doesn't, it doesn't threaten me. It doesn't like, I mean, it could only be richer. Right. And I'm telling you what, some of the most incredible songs have sprouted up off this back porch and are finally trickling into Thursday night showcases at the yellow cab or or uh you know like a a couple hours at bobs on a on a friday night or whatever and it's also a place of, it's meant to be a place of encouragement um so it doesn't happen enough and what i'm hoping will will naturally start happening is and there are women who want to do it so i need to find other hosts and other mcs for lack of a better term where i just kind of want to get the ship in the water you know and then see it go because there's no reason why anybody else can't just host the same thing in their backyard and I'll come, I'll attend, you know, but, um, so we're kind of building, um, kind of building a network. Like I said, I'd love to see that happen quarterly. And actually I'm, I've had some early discussions with the Dayton arcade because I have a vision for developing this into like a day long conference Mm -hmm. and offering some, some segmented, classes either about songwriting. Um, I am I'm, I'm even open to have, have one about gear or like music theory or pricing or marketing and fundraising, which is one of my kind of specialty areas. Um, whatever. I mean, I actually really want Brandy Carlisle to come. I'm just going to put that out into the universe again. So if you're listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's like, she does some cool stuff. Like she, she goes and plays in prisons. She's, you know, it doesn't have to be Brandy, but like Brandy, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just gonna put it out there.
0: <laughs> I must feel like saying contact us at Uncool Music Conversations. Hey, that's
2: right. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's something like that where there might be a featured artist along with it. We still have women playing and telling their stories. We'd have some kind of, you know, breakout sessions where we can do, because there's shared knowledge. I mean, there's just all this knowledge that could be shared among us. Um, and I don't think, it's not that men don't do that. They just, it just like, they don't discuss it, you know, mm-hmm. and they don't want to get together for drinks or, or they do, but like. After the show, after they've already figured out, they kind of establish child by fire and men have, I, I, I'll go ahead and make, go on a limb and make a broad comment here that male musicians just tend to have more confidence uh, about what they're doing. Cause I have seen some terrible stuff out there. I'm not, I mean, I just long before I was ever even playing gigs or anything, I've, I've seen some very confident gentlemen with pretty bad songs and only mediocre players. And I'm telling you, they think they're amazing. They think they're amazing and they can convince a booker that they're amazing enough to make twice as much as I do that night. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm at a place where, you know, I want to be respected as an artist, which I've had the, again, I've had really have had the good fortune of being, being respected right away thanks in large part to the fact that I am proud of the work and the work was good. And I wasn't sure, you know, (laughs) but also the friendship and the work and the work relationship that I developed with Patrick, you know, we made, we, we are good at making great records together. I'm confident that the next one is, I'm super proud of it, but like, I'm also at a place where I want, because I want to be respected as an artist, I also need to do the work on the business side of it to be taken seriously and say, yeah, well, this is what it's going to cost you for this or that. And, um, I've got a couple other things cooking up that I can't really talk about yet, um, (laughs) to help, to help that. And if, if, if I can only offer just like a phone call or a messenger thread to another, um, artist who is female and who's looking to get plugged into the scene a little bit. I mean, I'm by no means an expert, but I can at least offer her what I, what I do know and try to find her, help her find gigs that are um, suited to her and what she's hoping to do and the kind of environment she wants to be in and connect her to the right people. And a lot of the bookers are male too, you know, and like, again, I've had very largely good experiences with that. And, and when I don't, the women are going to talk about that. So don't you worry, slime balls, because we we will talk about you. And the good men, the ones I mentioned earlier, who are my friends, they're not going to put up with you either. So once, once that happens, I do think that Dayton has a bit more of a protective, uh, um, I think we're we're very unique here in a, a lot of ways. And I really can't compare that to other markets, because I haven't branched out into them yet, but I plan to this year. And just what I hear from artists who come in from Cincinnati or Columbus even, um, or Nashville, which is, I've met a few, you know, it's, it's just a very different, largely a welcoming scene, Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, At least that's been my experience. You're talking
1: about making a network. You're Mm -hmm. talking about building a network from the bottom up. And yeah. and you're talking about doing that in a way that's mutually supportive. Yeah. It, that there may be healthy competition, but it's it's not really, really devastating competition or you know, yeah. really, really attacking one another, tearing, building yourself up by tearing another artist down. Right.
2: Well, and that's evidenced by like collaboration is king. I I I am excited about um like we'll have to come back you'll have to you'll have to have me back with oh well, you don't have to have me back but you need to get heather redman on the show <laughs> and you need to because get scammed. We, we have a massive list yeah oh, we,
0: we, i'm not laughing at the suggestion on the that, list. like oh yeah we got we got a lot of people who want to get in this it's in yeah. studio it's frightening how big the <laughs> list is okay
1: sorry should i be saying that out loud
0: hey everyone this is andy from uncle music conversations with andy and art Our interview with Amber was so interesting that we decided to break it between two episodes. So what you just listened to is part one. Part two should now be published. But if you have other uncool things to do yourself, perfectly fine. Thank you for listening to Uncool Music Conversations with Andy and Art. If you'd like to contact us with any questions, comments, or ideas about the podcast, reach out to us at uncoolmusicconvo38 at gmail.com. Again, that is uncoolmusicconvo38. Thirty-eight at gmail.com links to all our social media is at linktr.ee forward slash uncool music conversations we are on instagram at uncool music convo we are also on twitter at uncool music convo one again that's uncool music convo one the number not the word Finally, our website is uncoolmusicconversations.com. Again, that is uncoolmusicconversations.com. Remember, everyone, music chooses you and support your local music scene.